Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. Ironically, I am Sean Farrell. I'm Matthew Farrell's brother. I'm a writer, and I am going to be the question giver. Matthew is also here. Matthew. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest episode, Another Tesla Advantage, Top 5 Tesla Apps. This episode dropped on March 24th. This one generated a lot of interesting discussion in the comments. I wanted to start with the most amusing comment first, which was from Charles, who wrote, I'm going to buy a Tesla car to get more functionality out of my Apple Watch. <laughs> I love that comment. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Martin, not the actor and stand-up comedian, um, he responded, it sounds like it could be a great Apple Watch accessory. And then you chimed in with saying, it's the best Apple Watch accessory you own. Exactly. <laughs> it's almost as expensive as the Apple Watch Gold Edition that they first came out with a number of years ago. So a lot of the conversation revolved around availability of a lot of different competing apps. And mm -hmm. D Drawer wrote, would you recommend choosing one of these apps and sticking with it? I'm between using Teslify and Teslab. I like the mobile app with Teslab, but it seems like the data you get from Teslify is more meaty slash easier to review long-term. And you had a response to that that I thought was interesting. Yeah, I, I do recommend uh, using... You don't have to stick with one. You can use as many as you want. I wouldn't recommend using three or four of them. But for me personally, I like the Teslab or stats for that mobile snapshot for the daily use. And then Teslify gives you really good, like he said, meated data to dig into. And you're not going to be doing that every day. It might be once a week or once a month, but it gives you a really good way to look at that data, export that data, slice it any way you want, and really kind of dive in deep if you're kind of a data nerd. Um, but for that daily snapshot, these mobile apps are fantastic. Another question that was around the same sort of um, the use of competing apps that I had was, mm -hmm. do you know of any apps that are on the horizon that look appealing to you? Do you see anything between the different apps where they're chasing each other and adding functionality that there would be overlap and you see one that might be looking to overtake another? Uh, a lot of them do seem to be kind of, I don't want to say they're chasing each other, but they're kind of trying to uh, solve the same problem, but in a different way. Right. And I would point to Teslab at like like Tesla versus Teslify or Tesla versus Stats, they're kind of doing the same thing, but in very different ways. Like Tesla is very social community focused, where it shows you how you stand against other people in your area or all Tesla users, and you can kind of uh, share how you're doing with other Tesla users, and it kind of creates this really kind of fun kind of Tesla community around the data that it's collecting, and then it gives you that snapshot those base level controls where stats is just straight up just the facts ma'am just like here's here's how your battery is doing here's how your uh car is doing here's it looks like you need to charge or you're charging too much or your efficiency isn't as good as it could be so it's those quick snapshots that it shows you that are very useful so it's like it really they're they're addressing different needs based on what kind of person you are where there is there are apps in the works that i know about um, I'm actually a beta tester on one right now. I can't talk too much about it. 
but it's doing something completely different from what everybody else is doing. And it's specific to one aspect of ownership. It's around charging your car and how your car charges and how much you're paying for that and controlling the charge of your car. And it's a very interesting approach that this developer is coming up with. And I think he's going to be cracking a nut that nobody else is doing. So it's like, it's really, to me, this is why I get so excited about this stuff. It's really clever to see. It's really fun to see how these clever developers are coming up with novel solutions to problems that we're all having with our cars. And they're just kind of, they're, they're help filling those gaps that Tesla has in their user experience. And as more cars go electric, it's going to be filling those gaps for all of those cars eventually. So it's really exciting to see how this is called, kind of like how it's all unfolding. Is there anything Tesla specific that does, I'm thinking of, of apps like Waze, um, mm-hmm. where traffic and information like that is fed back to the driver. Is there anything in Tesla that does mm-hmm. something similar or is there something embedded within the Tesla software itself that already does that? They already do that. It's mm-hmm. that the mapping software inside the car gets real-time traffic data and it will reroute you if the traffic is, you know, really backed up. But it's one of those, I don't know if it's as good as what you might get through something like Waze or Google Maps, which is what part of why in my video I advocated for, I really wish Tesla would open up their system broader because what if Google Maps could be directly integrated into your car or there was a Waze app you could install directly in your car and use Waze instead of the, the Tesla Maps. Right. It'd be, it would open up a lot of potential. I imagine that there's probably on their end some sort of very close communication between their mapping and routing and the future of autonomous driving. Yeah. So it's possible that they're trying to avoid any sort of conflicts between that, you know, by doing it all in-house. Yeah, it's pro- it would probably add a layer of complexity they just don't want to deal with. Yeah. For something yeah. for something like map replacements. That yeah. I can totally see why they wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. But from a user's you want point to avoid of view, the car yeah. being confused or you getting routed the wrong way or the car just getting frustrated and driving into a tree. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be a bad move. <laughs> yeah, that would be. <laughs> so another comment was left by Miles Forrest who wrote brilliant observations of the current offering and limitations. I do worry about the authentication process. For that reason, I've not enabled third-party EV.energy to control the charging of my car. They offer clever ability to charge when grid is in the greenest, but I'm not putting my Tesla password into their app. I agree with you that it would be fantastic to have a Tesla app store, another revenue stream potentially. Yeah, this, this comment speaks is kind of the motivation of why I made this video in the first place. Uh, I kind of want to, it's like, as I'm as excited as I am around all the developers and what they're doing, there's an aspect to this that Tesla has not fully embraced and it, and it kind of really drives me nuts. And it's that they haven't fully implemented a user authentication process to give trust to the customers. Because to get a little technical for a second, Tesla is using something called OAuth, which is kind of an industry standard uh, system for different applications to authenticate with each other. So you give the credentials to your Tesla account to this OAuth procedure, and it generates a token that is then given back to the application developer. And they use that token for very specific 
limited access to your car and your information. They cannot log into your account with this token. They cannot make purchases on your account with this token. They can't drive your car away with this token. It's very limited what they're able to do with it. So basically on the back end, Tesla has the baseline of what they need for this to work properly for this API. The problem is, is that they stopped right there. So what developers have to do is they have to build the front end, what you actually see as a user. So the screen that you actually input your Tesla username and password on is created by the developer. And that's where this whole, ooh, I feel uncomfortable because I'm giving my password to this developer looks. Yeah. Where it, it it's giving developers the opportunity to act as a man in the middle, which means an unscrupulous developer could record what you've entered and keep it and do nefarious things with it. Right. And that's why people are scared and they should be. You, should, you shouldn't be jumping into any random Tesla app because you don't know what the developer might be doing. So you have to do your homework. And in my case, all the apps I recommended that do this, I've talked to all of them. I've actually talked to the developers and I know exactly what they're doing. And they've all been very explicit of they want nothing to do with your username and password. Like it, they're, they're literally just passing it along to Tesla and it's never recorded in any way, shape or form. Tesla could solve this issue just by creating a login with Google, login with Twitter yeah. <laughs> system where it's very clearly the, the app redirects you to Tesla. You log in on Tesla and then it redirects you back to the app. Somehow that sounds even more frustrating to me that, that the developer is saying, I'm not even recording that information or storing it anywhere. Right. Somehow that's even more frustrating to me. Like, why is Tesla then not taking that next step as you describe? That's why I don't. They gi they're giving an appearance almost of lack of trust as opposed to simply like, oh, the, we, we can create a system that clearly shows the trust is in the hands of the user. Th that's what drives me nuts about this. They built out an API that allows developers to do this. So why are they not completing this process to make it so that customers, their, their, the owners of their vehicles will feel comfortable using these things? I don't understand why they're not doing it because it's leaving a security hole open and not, not because of the API, but because there might be an unscrupulous developer that takes advantage of the situation. Right. And you have to be very careful who you kind of get into bed with when it comes to these, these apps. And so the ones I recommended are doing the right thing. In fact, I talked to Ramin, who's the developer of the Stats app, about this. And his response to me was, he wants absolutely nothing to do with your information whatsoever. And in fact, no data actually ends up on his servers of any kind with your car. Because when you log in with Stats, the information about your battery, your charge, all that kind of stuff is stored directly on your device. It's not actually stored on a server anywhere. And that, dev and that device is on your computer or it's on your phone or your, your it's phone. in the car? So okay. it's on your iPhone. And so then your iPhone is backing up to iCloud so that if you uninstall the app and reinstall the app, that information comes back to your phone from iCloud. So it's all you and Apple. <laughs> it's not right. even him. So it's like he is so divorced from the that stuff. It's just like he's kind of like even two steps removed from anything to do with your information. Does he have that statement embedded in some way? in the app so that it's easily seen by somebody who is looking at his app or looking at even downloading his app. 
he has he on his website he has an FAQ where he writes up all about all this kind of stuff. Teslab does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're logging into the app and you have questions, I believe on Stats login screen he has a you know get a FAQ link and you can kind of click that and read about it. Right. Um, and as a software de- being in software development myself, it's like you want to draw attention to it, but not too much attention to it. <laughs> Right. Because if somebody's not concerned about it, you don't want to make them concerned about it. Right. <laughs> so it's like you have to find that balance as the developer. But in an era yeah. of don't share your password with anybody. Yes. Yeah. For Tesla to design a process, which is literally you have to share your password with somebody. Yeah. Sounds ridiculous. And I use third party apps for, you know, uh, we've talked about it before, you know, we're, we're gamers and I use third-party apps that plug into um, some of the games we play, and there's never a "give us your password." Right. It's always a "give authorization," and then you have to log into the game developer's website. Exactly. And you're adding that app as an authorized third party for you. Um, if I ever downloaded something and it was like, "Give me your." give me directly your password. Yeah. No, that would be clearly something I would, I would draw the line at. And it seems ridiculous that for a product, which is costing literally tens of thousands of dollars, the developer of that product would say, feel free to give your password around. There's so much potential around this because yes, they may not control the apps directly, but by embracing these apps a little bit more than they are, they would create an ecosystem around the Tesla experience that would just enhance the Tesla experience. And it would make their customers even happier, which in the end makes them happier with Tesla. So it's like just a little extra effort on their part would make this whole situation dramatically better, which then leads me into the whole in-car system. And they're kind of heading down this path now because they've added Netflix. They're adding things like Hulu and HBO and stuff like that into the car. So when you're charging, you can stream your favorite shows so, and they're adding games. So it's like uh, they're heading down this path, but right now it's really on their shoulders to integrate it. And it feels like if they added this more complete OAuth process for the external applications, like on your phone, and then in the car, they added an app store where developers could create their own apps. So, so a game developer could do it all on their own and then submit to Tesla for approval. Then all Tesla has to do is look at it, make sure it's doing everything's properly and just say, you're good to go. And then it goes into the car. It's like, basically it's the iTunes app store or the Google play store in the car. It's like, Mm -hmm. that could be a potential huge like revenue stream for them because they could sell apps. The game developers could sell games and then they could take a small cut of those fees. It's like, it's like, once again, better customer experience and potentially more revenue for them with very little effort. So I really hope they go down that path. And Elon's talked about that in the past and said they don't have enough cars to make that worthwhile. But that was a couple of years ago. <laughs> right. They're selling a lot more cars now. Uh, you know, having millions of cars on the road, eventually, it's like they're going to have they, a game console is considered successful when they sell a million game consoles. Tesla has, you know, that number of cars on the road. So it's like at this point, I think they're at a stage where they could flip on an app store and have a very successful little ecosystem going. Right. I also like hearing you say OAuth, which (laughs) sounds like a character from Game of Thrones. 
<laughs> Sir Olaf. Sir Olaf. <laughs> Downloader of Tesla. Yes. And the last comment from the discussion on the video that I wanted to bring up was from Big Car, who wrote, I'm really enjoying the podcast, by the way. Search yeah. for still to be determined. You and your brother are doing a great job of adding additional background to these videos. So thank you, Big Car. Yeah, Big I imagine Car. he wanted to go on and say, by the way, your brother is one heck of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Big I, Car, I, for that, too. I'm sure he would have said that. <laughs> he ran out of time. Yes. He yes. had to run. So with a little bit of shifting of gears uh, away from the video, there are some things that we've been watching or using to distract ourselves. And we thought we'd share some of our thoughts on things that we would recommend. So I'll start with a TV show that I think will hit the right note for parents out there who find themselves spending 24 hours a day with small children. It's on FX on Hulu and it's called Breeders. Mm -hmm. And it's with Martin Freeman and Daisy Haggard as a married couple with two small kids and their family uh, circle includes a set of his parents, her parents who are divorced. Uh, her father is played by Michael McKean, who's terrific as a sort of vagabond drifter. The show's tone is darkly comic and Martin Freeman is getting a lot of attention for the fact that his character is so unlikable. It's one of those shows where you like everybody in it despite themselves. Right. And the humor that comes out of it is wonderfully dark. And as a parent myself, I find myself watching it and thinking, yeah, I've, I've done that. So I give, I give that a thumbs up. Matt, do you have uh, something you'd like to throw out? Yeah. There? Yeah. Uh, I've, I'm a little late to this party because it started, I believe it premiered in January. Uh, it's an HBO show called The Outsider. Mm. Uh, which is based on a Stephen King novel. And uh, it's incredible. <laughs> the show, the show is incredible. It's, it stars the stars, Jason Bateman and uh, Bill Mendes, Mendelson. Yeah. yeah. Ben Mendelson. Uh, and Jason actually directed, I believe the first two episodes and you, uh, the director who directs the pilot of a series is the one that kind of sets the tone for the visual style. And I got to say, I had no idea he was as good of a director as he is. Uh, the style and the the feeling of the show, the it's got very unique camera angles and very unique style that really creates a level of tension I have not seen in a show in a very long time. And the show, all I, I'm not going to give anything away, but the show centers around uh, the death, the murder of a little boy. And uh, Ben Mendelsohn plays a, a cop that is trying to solve this murder mm -hmm. and it's how that basically tears all these families apart and the town apart and it goes places you don't expect it to go and the the level of tension from the visual style the music is really unnerving <laughs> mm -hmm. and the characters are incredible and it's like there's no characters in the show that are genuinely like bad characters everybody kind of has flaws and it's just everybody's kind of fumbling through this as best they can. And it's it's one of the most riveting TV series I've seen in a long time. And if uh, you have HBO, I would recommend checking out The Outsider. 
to add to your comment about Bateman as a director, he won a Emmy last year. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. yeah for Ozark. Um, yeah. Which both The Outsider and Ozark are shows I have not seen, but The Outsider is on the short list of things that we want to watch while we're hunkered down right now. Knowing the kind of shows that you like to watch, Sean, I would rank The Outsider above Ozark. I think you would love The Outsider. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I have another recommendation, which is both uh, the opposite end of the spectrum. It's, it's total uh, riot to listen to. <laughs> and it's also something that's very uh, near to Matt. You're in my background with, um, we had a previous podcast. Yeah. Which was called Beautiful Failures in which we examined films that were, despite failures of the film, were in some ways beautiful. Um, who knows if this podcast makes us each a million dollars, maybe we'll restart that <laughs> podcast. But <laughs> there is a podcast called How Did This Get Made, which my girlfriend introduced me to, and uh -huh. it is a lot of fun to listen to. It is hosted by Paul Shear. June, Diane, Raphael, and Jason Matsukas. And the three of them will watch a film and then just ask the question again and again, how did this get made? Which is they will examine, they uh, recently did one, which was Double Dragon. <laughs> oh God, that movie's awful. <laughs> they did uh, a movie which I had forgotten even existed, which was, uh, Matt Damon's the great wall. Oh yeah. 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 It's a podcast, which all the episodes, I don't know if all the episodes are done before a live audience, but all the episodes I've listened to have been before a live audience. So that what they've done is they've toured and they will do the show in front of a live audience and then they will take audience questions and they have regular routines that they build into each episode. Uh, one of my favorite ones is when Paul Shear will read five star reviews of the movie that they're talking about from amazon.com. Mm -hmm. So they will spend 45 minutes tearing the movie apart and then he will read these five star reviews from people who say, <laughs> give glowing recommendations to the movies. They've just spent 45 minutes tearing apart. <laughs> so I highly recommend it because it's one of those things that you can, because it's a podcast, you can just put it on the background. You can be doing other things. Uh, I usually, when Sarah and I are hanging out together and, and she throws on the podcast and I'm gaming and she's, she's, you know, playing something on her phone or she's reading something. It's, it's a great way to have something in the background that you can both enjoy. So, right. Uh, if you're a movie fan, especially if you enjoy good takedowns of bad movies, it's yeah. a great podcast. And <laughs> in the same vein, if you're looking for a book to read in that vein, I recommend, uh, Roger Ebert's, I hated, 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 hated this movie, which is <laughs> when you read good movie reviews, for me, the best movie reviews are great reviews of bad movies. And Ebert was the master of that, of really taking a look under the hood of something and asking, who is this for? And doing it in a very funny way. Um, so his is the literary equivalent of how did this get made? I really miss Roger Ebert. The next thing I would recommend, and this is going to be like a sharp left turn. <laughs> you hear what I'm about to say? <laughs> in these trying times where we're all 
the anxiety anxiety level is like at 11 and we're all having trouble relaxing and letting go and maybe even getting a good night's sleep. And this is going to sound like an advertisement, but it's not, I swear. <laughs> I, I highly recommend there's a company called Purple that makes mattresses and pillows. And uh, my wife, Sue, she just a couple weeks ago surprised me and bought me a purple pillow. And it's the Purple Harmony Pillow. <laughs> It is the best pillow I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and I am sleeping like a baby on this pillow. It is absolutely incredible. It's the weirdest. It's the weirdest pillow. It's a foam. I typically hate foam pillows, but this foam in the, in the core is just like hard enough, but not too hard. It's not like sleeping on a rock like you typically get with memory foam pillows, but it's wrapped in this crazy like they call it the purple grid hex and it's like a hex, hex, hex hexagon pattern. I just went to like, their website and it looks like a purple beehive. Yeah. It's like a purple beehive. <laughs> it's like an inch, it's like an inch thick and what's it's latex. And what's interesting is it, it gives you enough support. And by the way, this stuff was, I think, uh, invented for NASA. It was invented for something with space flight. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. And this stuff is incredibly like supportive, but it weighs next to nothing. And it has a very like, a lot of give to it so the pillow is wrapped in this purple hex stuff and it feels like your head's just kind of floating it's like there's it's just the perfect amount of resistance for your head whether you're a back sleeper or side sleeper it doesn't matter and it doesn't get super hot it's not too hard it's just like it's like your head's floating on air it's fantastic i love i love this pillow <laughs> 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 I did not expect this conversation to go there. I know. That's why I was like, <laughs> here's the sharp left turn. <laughs> Strap yourself in. I'm taking you there. I have one more thing to recommend. This one's a film and it's also with Jason Mantzoukas. Uh, it's called The Long Dumb Road. It is with Jason Mantzoukas and Tony Revolori. Um mm-hmm. Tony Revolori, you would know him from Grand Budapest Hotel, and he also plays one of the side characters in the most recent Spider-Man movies. This movie is a typical road trip movie where mm-hmm. it's a pretty standard setup. You know, two strangers have to go on a long tri- road trip together, and everything from Abbott and Costello to planes, trains, and automobiles have used the same you know, the movie Dutch, you know, the, there's any number of films which are about, you know, two people who don't necessarily get along, learning to get along as they go on this road trip. The measure of a movie like this for me is not how original is the setup or how original are the events that take place, but the emotional resonance that can come out of it. Do you mm-hmm. hit moments where you genuinely like the characters and hope for the best for the relationship. I think that's the measure of a successful road trip film. Mm-hmm. And this movie does it very, very well. And um, it's written by Hannah Fidel and Carson Mel. And it was directed by Hannah Fidel. And I really liked her directing style. Um, she doesn't do a whole lot of flashy stuff. She really lets the characters talk and really lets the moment speak for themselves without stepping in as a heavy handed, like you think of a movie like planes, trains and automobiles, which is a movie I love, but you can really sense the director in that film as being a presence and saying like, focus on this. This is what you should be paying attention to. 
she doesn't really do that but the mm-hmm. movie does have still kind of like planes trains and automobiles it does have those moments where it r- ratchets up the absurdity of moments um while still being a very grounded film it has moments of like you don't see a sudden hard left coming and when it gets there you buy it because the movie has gained your trust by the time it happens so i think that she did a really great job with that and both the the actors revel uh, and Matsukas do a great job um and the the relationship between the two of them really does come across as genuine mm-hmm. and they're both playing versions of characters they've played before which is fine um but what they're able to do within that and the connections they're able to to create within that seem very genuine and funny and touching at the same time. So I recommend it. Do you want to close this out with one more? Here it comes. <laughs> I, don't, I was going to say, I don't know if I, sh- this isn't a recommendation. Uh, I was, I would call it a non-recommendation. So for the people that are fans of my channel and they are, they're there because of smart home technologies, I've been experimenting with something recently. Um, I got some smart home vents that you put on your, you know, HVAC vents around your house and they automatically, the louvers automatically open and close depending if rooms reach temperature or not. And it's meant to help equalize your whole house. Um, they're keen smart vents and I would say they're not so keen. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I, I'm in a living hell trying to get these things to work well. And I want to love them so much, but uh, they're a hot dumpster fire right now. So if anybody out there is considering getting keen smart home vents, I would say don't, <laughs> at least not yet. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> you love <laughs> the turn- concept, but not the actual product. Yeah, these these suckers are, I don't know what's going on. They're chewing through batteries. On the website, it says the batteries in these will last for up to two years. Uh, the batteries they came with were just standard Duracell batteries. They were dead in two weeks. Each vent has four batteries, and I bought six of these vents. So in two weeks, I suddenly had, what was it, 24 <laughs> dead AA batteries lining my counter. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And I've been putting re- re- uh, uh, rechargeable batteries in, and they would go dead within three days. And so I've been trying to figure out what the hell's going wrong <laughs> because three days, two years, <laughs> there's kind of a gap yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, and I mean, there's even, some, even to a dog, that's fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and their support staff is uh, not very supportive. Uh, really? No, they have in their app live chat where you can chat with them and uh they don't answer your questions directly. They send you links to FAQs that I already read on their website that have nothing to do with my problem. And it's really helpful when oh, they don't answer my problem. They're saying, well, here's an FAQ. I'm like, that FAQ does not help me. That is not the problem I'm having. And they'll send me a different FAQ, which has absolutely nothing remotely to do with what I'm doing. So yeah, uh, not so keen on the keen smart home vent. For me, the funniest part, Sean, was that the support specialist I had, his name was supposedly Sean. And mm-hmm. it was spelled the same way your name is spelled. And halfway in our conversation, he responded to me like it was the beginning of the conversation. So he introduced himself to me and said, how can I help you? And I was like, mm-hmm. you've been helping me. We've been talking yeah. back and forth for the past 20 minutes. <laughs> 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 nice to meet actually, you again, Sean. <laughs> actually, I hate to break it to you, but that was me. I just was oh, being okay. a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. 
Oh, by the way, Matthew. Yes. My name is Sean. <laughs> nice to meet you. Sean. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and that's our podcast. Let us know what you think. We're reachable on Twitter at still TBD FM at by Sean Farrell at Matt Farrell and at undecided MF. Be sure to watch the latest videos from undecided with Matt Farrell on YouTube. And you can find the podcast at still TBD.FM. You can subscribe. You can find us anywhere. There are podcast providers like Spotify and iTunes. And please be sure to give us a rating, review us, and share us with your friends because it really helps the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then, of course, Matthew helps me. Have a good day, everybody. Talk to you later. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest episode, which dropped on long pauses. I get to the date. The 17th. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest episode, another Tesla advantage, top five Tesla apps. This episode dropped on March 17th. Oh, wait, sorry. 24th. <laughs> Let's do that again. I thought that sounded wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I looked the calendar wrong. <laughs> this episode dropped on March 48th. 